Um, growing up, I moved around a lot. That was uh, kind of a thing in my family. There wasn't really one location or one community that I grew up in. Beautiful. Dude, Josh, how's everybody? Um, yeah, right. Give it up. Give it up. A mastermind. Um, I moved a lot growing up. I didn't get the advantage of growing up in the same town, having the same group of friends my entire life from preschool to college, you know. Um, we were moving all over the PNW, and by all over, I mean Washington and Oregon. But it was all over those two states. There's some brief stints in Utah, uh, or one brief stint in Utah, brief stints in Canada. Um, but that was kind of my life, and it was hard, obviously. I wish that I had the same community growing up, but it wasn't all bad. Like, there were benefits to it. As I got older, I started realizing every move was actually an opportunity, right? It was, a, it was an opportunity to look back at, like, what I had done at my old school, especially in, like, the middle to high school years, and I could look back, and I could see that was really annoying. We're not going to do that anymore. That was really cringy. Let's never do that again. And then I could go to the new school and, like, try and be, like, a little bit cooler, right? Like, that's all that matters is being cool and being popular. So I could just step into my next school with all this new info and be like, great, let's reinvent ourselves a little bit. While moving may sound horrible to some of you, like you're like, I was born in Salem, I'm going to die in Salem. That sounds awful. Moving everywhere, no thank you. We all can relate to this desire to have change in our lives. Like, there's something exciting that comes with a fresh start, even if it's like you get a new car or you get a new job, you get a haircut. I got a haircut yesterday, and I feel like a brand new person, right? I can actually see again. Um, it's beautiful. You all look lovely. Um, there's tons of exciting things that can happen with change, from big to small. That's why we celebrate New Year's. That's why every year we look back at the old year, the old us, and say, hmm, there's some things that can change, and it's exciting, right? We set resolutions, like maybe you'll go to the gym every day, or maybe you'll start cutting sugar out of your diet. Maybe there's a habit you're trying to kick, and so this year is the year we're gonna kick that bad habit, right? It's this opportunity to look back at where we've been and say, that's not where I quite wanna be yet. That's not really the ideal. So this year is now a year to change some of that, right? To become that ideal person you wanna be. That's the whole point. And I think this is an idea that isn't just a New Year's idea. It's an idea that is in all religion, all philosophy, all human thought. It's this idea that the current state of humanity is not the ideal state. Like I would, I would wager that every single human religion, thought, idea hinges on this idea that humanity in its current state is not ideal. Even Christianity believes this. That's why we talk about Jesus. We talk about this change that comes. And the passage we just read today says the same thing. I'm going to read it again. It's 2 Corinthians 5.17, and it's right here in big print. This is a, I had no idea how big the print on this Bible was. It's huge. Um, <laughs> that makes it easy. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Even this passage has this idea that the current state is not the ideal state because if something old has to pass away to welcome in something new, that means the old wasn't the ideal or else you wouldn't replace it, right? We replace things that are not ideal. That's the way it works. And we all start there. Humanity is not in its ideal state, but then we kind of splinter off 
into different answers on how do we become ideal people? How do we reach enlightenment? How do we reach God? How do we be the best version of ourselves, right? Um, and I think the main answer that the world holds um, can be summed up in a movie that just came out. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. I'm not here to review a movie. I'm just here to talk about the Bible. It's called Spirited, um, and it's a new Christmas movie. It came out on Apple TV. It's a musical, and it's like the spinoff of the Christmas Carol story. It's got Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell, which is like a great duo. They're both hilarious people, and seeing them work together was awesome. And again, I'm not reviewing a movie. I'm talking about the Bible. Uh, I love movies. And so... Ryan Reynolds is this like, he's the Scrooge character, right? He's this big, mean, bad businessman, and he's like this heartless monster, right, in the corporate world. And Will Ferrell's the ghost of Christmas present, um, which again, like, people are laughing. That's a good combo. And um, Will Ferrell's trying to redeem Ryan Reynolds. He's trying to make him into this new person that he wasn't before. And surprise, surprise, movie has a happy ending. Ryan Reynolds is redeemed, you know, hooray. And... They celebrate with this final song and dance that kind of sums up the entire point of the whole movie, the whole message it's pushing. Um, and I have the lyrics right here, actually. I sense some panic. I'm not going to sing. I sense panic in the audience. I won't be singing. Um, I'm just going to read them. Um, these are, this is how the lyrics go. It says, it only takes a little good and doing what you can, taking every chance to make the choice to be a better man. I'll say it one more time. It only takes a little good and doing what you can, taking every chance to make the choice to be a better man. That's kind of the whole point of the movie. It's just do a little bit of good, be a little nice, take every chance you can to be a better person, work hard, and like it's all just gonna work out like that easy, right? That's how the world works. That's not actually how the world works. If any of us have lived in reality for any sort of amount of time, that's not really how it works. I mean, in my experience, that is not how life has worked out for me, and I have proof. Um, when I was in high school, for instance, I was in a youth group in Lincoln City, and our youth pastor took us to San Francisco for a week, and he took us to the ghetto, the ghetto of ghettos, to, like, preach to homeless people, give them food, give them, you know, a place to have a place to sleep, and just talk to them about Jesus. And there was a specific morning where our assignment of the day was to walk around the streets and... Have this, we have this big box of bouquet flowers, and we just hand bouquets to every woman that we see on the streets. Um, and it's really intimidating. And not only that, but I was paired with this girl. Like, we went to the same school, same youth group, but we did not talk. She was super shy, super quiet, really nice, but, like, we did not talk, which was actually a disadvantage for her because then I just talked her ear off the whole time. Um, I'm sure she was like, great, awesome. Um, so that was it. We took our bouquets and we went. They didn't just, like, send us off into the ghetto, right? Like, go, unsupervised, have fun. Um, they were watching us. But um, leaders are watching from afar. We're paired off, and we start walking around with these flowers. And it's intimidating to just walk up to somebody on the street and just, like, casually hand them flowers and spark conversation. So I decided we're going to shoot low, okay? Okay? I don't know her name. Cynthia? She'll be Cynthia today. Okay, Cynthia? We're going to shoot low. We're going to go for the low-hanging fruit. And so we see this sweet little old lady. She's hobbling down the road. And I'm like, awesome. She looks so nice. Let's go. Never have I been a worse judge of character in my entire life. <laughs> Never. I, uh, we go, I, I grab the flowers out of the box and I hand them to her. We try and spark conversation. And like instantly, it's this slew of cuss words and derogatory remarks from this little old lady. Just like this barrage of hate. I was shocked. And poor Cynthia 
she just starts bawling her eyes out because she's so scared of conflict. She doesn't know what to do, and she just starts bawling hysterically. And like, you'd think that like the lady would maybe feel bad and back off. It was like a lion seeing a wounded gazelle. It was like her eyes lit up, and she's like, yes, now I have them. And she goes in even harder. It was horrifying. I was scared, but I was like 16, so I was like, whatever, little old lady. And so I'm like, so sorry, we're gonna go. And we just walked back the way we came. And like the whole way down the street, she's still cussing and yelling. Like she said things I have never heard before. And I went to public school, okay? Like I thought I had heard it all. Clearly not. Um, that was a, that's a perfect example in my life where I tried to do a little good. I tried to take a chance to be a better person. And it just blew up in my face, like exponentially. It was catastrophic. And we all have examples like this. You try and give somebody a gift or a compliment and they get offended. Or you are at work and there's a project that comes up and you decide I'm gonna take on this project for my coworkers and it ends up just making more problems for everybody in the workplace. Or you have a bad habit and you're trying to kick it. This, this year is the year you're gonna kick it and you get about a week in, things are feeling good and then you're right back to where you started. Throughout life, we're trying to do good. We're trying to be our best, but it just doesn't work. And I think the, the reason is um, even as Christians, we often try and change without God. We see God as separate from our change. Oftentimes our behavior and our, our thoughts can be, I need to clean myself up before I approach God. Um, or God, like you've told me what I need to do to change, now I'm gonna do that, thank you, I'll come back and check in with you when I'm done, right? God is separate from our change, but the Bible says something way different. It says that God has everything to do with our change. Back to the passage, 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Christ is the catalyst for change. He's the jump start. We need God for our change. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. And notice it says anyone. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this offer is for everybody, regardless of your age, your race, your gender, your finances, how religious you are, how much experience with the Bible you have, it's for anyone in Christ. And in Christ, is, it's the linchpin, it's the, it's the clause. It is for anyone who is in Christ. Christ is the catalyst for our change. We cannot be changed without Christ. And this isn't just a jump start, right? It's not like a come to Jesus moment where you say, I trust in Jesus, I believe in Jesus, I follow Jesus, and it's not like this jump, this like fresh start where you're like, all right, now I'm gonna try and be better now. It's like, it's, it's full regeneration. That's the theological term, regeneration. Um, being made completely new. The old is completely passed away. Um, for, like if somebody decides to follow Jesus, they believe that Jesus died for their sins, he rose again, and because of that, they can have a relationship with God. They aren't just given this opportunity to make better choices. It's a complete regeneration. The old person is completely passed away. Um, a good example might be a, a burnt down house, which it's horrible to lose your house to a fire. We have fires all the time now. Um, I know people who have lost their home, it's horrible. Um, but when you lose your home, you, your first instinct, once you're safe, your first instinct is like, okay, we need a new, we need a new place to live. We need a new house, right? Um, some people will just build their own house again. That's great, good on you. I'm not that person, so, I mean, 
I'm impressed if you can do that. Um, most of the time, people hire contractors. And if your contractor showed up to the house, looked at the burnt remains, right, all that's left of your home, he sits there for a bit, he starts thinking, and he goes, you know what? It's not that bad. If we just put our heads together, right, love each other a little bit, really think hard, we, could, we can make a house out of this, right? That's ridiculous. You'd fire him, get a new contractor, and a decent contractor would say, we, you need a new house, right? He would completely regenerate a new home for you. He would build you something entirely new. Without Christ, we are all like a burnt down house. We are incapable of doing good. Ephesians 2.1 says that without Christ, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. We are spiritually flatlined. There's nothing good or godly we can do or we can bring into this world. Um, we can make outside changes, sure, right? We can be kind and friendly, um, super driven at work, but underneath all that, we may be bitter, closed off, burnt out, confused, we're putting on this outside exterior, this outside beauty. Um, we're dressing ourselves up to look really, really pretty, but we're just lying in a casket. We have spiritually flatlined, and this, it's an irreversible state. And the problem is we try and be better without Jesus, right? This is the kind of message that the movie Spirited that I've been talking about pushes. Just do better, try harder, but we're like a burnt down house. Doesn't matter how much you try and like pick up the ashes and like kind of like form them into a home, it's done, it's burnt, it's gone. So now that we're all very uplifted and super inspired, right? Welcome to church, uh, happy new year. Um, we'll, we'll go back to the passage because the passage offers an answer to this problem. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This is something that's already happened. If anyone is in Christ, regeneration, being made new has already happened. There's no more change or work that needs to happen because Christ has done it all for us already by himself. It says that in the Bible that God sent his son to be executed. He did all the work for us so that we could then walk with God and live into the life that God has called us to be, become the person that God has intended for us to be this entire time. This is not something that requires work or outside changes, it starts in here. Regeneration starts from the inside out. Because when you experience, when, when you decide to put your trust in Jesus, you are forgiven of your sins, and God sees them and says, you're forgiven, I, I love you, no more, no more punishment. But you're also just, you're made into something completely different. And this is, this is practical stuff, this isn't a pie in the sky idea, like theoretically we're all new in Christ. You know, like potentially we can all be new people. I've experienced this firsthand. Uh, I was raised a Christian and my parents, they were like, they're God-fearing people, love my parents. Um, they taught me to love the Bible and love Jesus. <clears throat> and through no fault of their own, it was my own sin. I was a burnt down house. I decided to walk away from God, right? Sorry, I don't listen to me swallow water. That's probably unpleasant. Um, I was a burnt down house. I could do no good. I still went to church, right? I was kind of known as a church kid in school, but like that was like it. Like my behavior was, uh, Titus 1.16 says, you know, they claim to know God, but by their actions they deny him. That was me in a nutshell. Um, and I hated the Bible specifically. Like the Bible didn't like 
do any wrong to me. It was just boring. Like, it was really boring. Um, and it's okay to admit that sometimes. The Bible can be boring. Um, there was, like, words and names and places I couldn't pronounce. It was super long and drawn out. There's confusing passages that, like, I acted like I understood, but I really didn't, right? I had actually no idea what they were talking about. And it, I just, I couldn't read it. I spent years, like, I never touched the thing. I had a Bible. It sat on my nightstand. I didn't read it, right? There was dust collected on top, this thick layer. Um, and I, I was a church kid, though, so at the end of my high school experience, I graduated high school. I went off to work at a summer camp called Camp Furwood. It's in Bellingham, Washington. And... I had an experience, I had an experience where I, I met Jesus. Like, it no longer was just head knowledge. Like, suddenly, like, I knew, like, Jesus is a real person. He wants me to follow him. And the way I'm doing things is not working out for me. Because the more I try and work hard, collect all the ashes together, it just keeps getting worse. And so I put my faith in Jesus, and it didn't just stop there. A couple weeks later, I get up early. I always woke up before campers were awake to go on a run. Um, and I decided, I'm not going to do that. Let's read the Bible. I haven't touched the thing in years. I brought it with me because, like, I felt like I had to bring my Bible to a church camp, um, especially if I'm, like, teaching kids about the Bible. They're like, where's your Bible? I don't know. Are we supposed to read that? Um, so I brought my Bible. I pull it out of my bag. I open it up, and the words just, like, flew off the pages. It was amazing. Like, I had, I had been around the Bible. I knew what it said, but it was just different this time. It was more real. Um, and it's funny, the first book I read was Ecclesiastes, which, like, if you've read Ecclesiastes, it's really depressing, right? Like, life's meaningless. We're all better off dead. Try and be happy while you can. But for some reason, like, I don't know, like, God does weird things. I was like, that is awesome. I love this. Yeah. Um, which might explain my burnt-down house analogy. I don't know. I guess I'm just kind of dark. Um, it just flew off the pages. Like, it came to life. And I decided, like, I'm going to keep reading this thing. Like, throughout the rest of the summer, I'm going to dedicate to reading this thing every single morning. Forget running. I hated that anyway. <laughs> um, let's just, let's read the Bible. And I did. I stuck with it. And I went home and I stuck with it some more. And I'm now four and a half years down the line where every morning I wake up, I read the Bible. Most of the time, sometimes my alarm goes off and my wife is like, go, please. Um, but I get up, I read the Bible. Um, and it's still, to this day, it just, it flies off the pages. And this is not to say like, look at me. I'm such a good Christian. I read my Bible every day. It's to say, like, God did something to me that it, was, it made me completely new. It was a regenerate, regeneration. Regenerate, I'm a regenerated person because I hated the Bible. It was boring. It was old, whatever. Like, I, can't, I couldn't stand it. And now it's like I can't not read it. If I go a day without reading the Bible, I feel kind of funky. I go throughout the day, and I'm like, dude, why am I being so weird? Oh, right. I slept in today. Um, it's, it's this amazing, this, at least to me, it's an, an amazing story of how God took something I hated and regenerated me to the point where, like, I, like, I love it. Like, six-year-old me would look at me and be like, what in the world? Do you read that thing? Yes, I do. I love it. Um, it's like the world tells us we need to do good to be saved. Movies like Spirited um, and just everybody. We all say this to ourselves. We need to do good to be saved. But the Bible says that we actually need to be saved to do good. We're told that we need to do good to be saved. But the reality is we need to be saved to do good. We aren't just saved from sin and death. We aren't just saved from addiction, from heartbreak. We're actually saved to 
the opportunity to love God and to love others genuinely, like it's lasting change. And it's not just a one and done thing. Regeneration, being made new, is not a one a one-time thing. It's not a one-trick pony. Um, let's take a kid that gets their training wheels off their bike. That's much happier than a burnt-down house, right? Um, I remember getting my training wheels taken off my bike, and it was an exciting experience. Like, the old bike had passed away. The old, the, the old bike had passed away. The new bike had come, right? But my parents didn't take the training wheels off the bike and then leave it in the garage and say, that's so great. You did it. Nice job. We never have to touch that thing again. Thank goodness. Um, no. If, if a parent takes their training wheels off their kid's bike, that means this whole new experience has just started, right? There's a whole new way of learning how to ride the bike. It's like you have to relearn to ride a bike all over again. And the parent walks behind their kid, and they guide them, and they make sure that they don't teeter off too hard. Um, they try and teach their kid how to balance and steer. And it gets to a point where eventually you just let them go. And all of a sudden, they're just doing it by themselves. And they just get to be better and better and better. But the process doesn't stop there. Now the parent gets to get on their own bike and ride alongside their kids, show them where to go, where not to go, how to get back home if you're lost. It's this lifelong process of riding bikes together. I told you it was going to be a happier analogy. Um, just, just like getting the training wheels off the bike, regeneration, being made new, does not stop at that moment where you decide to trust in Jesus. It didn't stop at that camp for me. It is still an ongoing process. Every day, I get the opportunity to live into this new life I've been given. We have received the gift of regeneration. Now, we get the challenge to live the life of regeneration. We received it, and now we need to live it out. Um, there's, this is a process. Regeneration is a process. I wish it wasn't. Um, I wish that in 2018, God just like zapped me with his finger and was like, you are now perfect. You will make no mistakes again. You're, you're completed, right? I wish he did that to all of us. Like I wish that so bad. It'd make life a lot easier. Um, it'd make life a lot easier for my wife too. Um, but that's not the way it works. Uh, I remember getting my training wheels off my bike and it wasn't this instantaneous right off into the sunset. There were scrapes and bruises. Sometimes I looked at my bike and I hated it, right? It was this, this uh, representation of all my failures at six years old. I hated it. Um, I was a miserable six-year-old, I guess. And it's this, it was this ongoing process to learn how to ride this new bike that I've been given. Just like that, when we're given this new life, it's not going to be easy. A regenerated life is not a perfect life. By, by no means is it that. Um, it's this ongoing process of becoming who God has called us to be. And this is why I love working with youth. My wife and I work with outward students, and I love working with teens because, believe it or not, parents, you're going to think I'm lying, but hear me out. Your teens want to be better people. Just hear me out, parents. I know you don't believe me. But every day, teens are trying to become a better person, and they're really receptive to this message of the gospel because I think they're in this place where they, were, they are still kids, right? They're still kids. Um, they still do kid things. You're like, oh, right, you're a kid in like an almost grown man's body. That's crazy. Um, and they're called to live into this life of adulthood. They're being called out of something old and into something new, and it's awkward and in some ways, they don't even have a choice in the matter. Like, their body's going to change whether they like it or not. Um, and they understand that this process of becoming who they're supposed to be 
is a long, painful process. Um, there's humility that comes with that. And again, parents, you'll never hear this from them. They will not give you the satisfaction of knowing this. But teens actually have some humility, and they know, like, becoming who I'm supposed to be, it's not easy. It's a process. And you will never hear it from them, but I promise you that is what they're thinking about. Um, some of the most zealous teens I've met, some of the most emphatic teens, some of the most devoted Christians have been teenagers. I think I screwed that up, but some of the most devoted Christians I've ever said have been teenagers because they understand, like, this is a process. I'm not going to be perfect at this. This is completely new. Um, adults, on the other hand, it's like, if you don't have your life figured out by 30 and you don't have retirement figured out by 40, there's something wrong with you. I don't know what else to tell you. You're not a true adult, I guess, um, at least in my experience, because um, everything gets figured out by 30, right? I'm hoping, at least. No? Okay, well, one can hope. Anyway, um, it's this lifelong process. Becoming who God has called us into is this process. It's a day-by-day, step-by-step thing. And there's going to be scrapes and bruises. As Christians, people who have been made completely new, we are still going to hurt, we are still going to sin, and we are gonna bring destruction into this world. It is inevitable. I wish it wasn't, but it is. The awesome thing about being a Christian is Jesus. Every time we fall off our bike, every time we mess something up, we get the opportunity to run back to Jesus and say, I messed up, what can I do better? Can you teach me how to do this better? Because I can't figure it out. And Jesus, every time, because of his grace, says, yes, 100%, thank you for coming to me. I wish, like there's so many moments in my life where I wish that wasn't the case. Where I, I look at God and I'm like, like am I actually saved? Am I actually made new? Did anything actually happen that day? Because I'm still living out of fear. I still get really prideful. I still hurt people. Even when I try really, really hard. Um, that's because regeneration is a process. And I love the message of regeneration because I need that reminder. I need to go back to passages like 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.17 and read, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I need to be reminded that we've already been made new. The work has already been done for us. We are already new creations in Christ. And messages like working harder, being better, taking step-by-step -step, you know, movements towards goodness, whatever, um, I don't necessarily think that's wrong. I don't think it's wrong to try and be a better person. I don't think it's wrong to set New Year's resolutions. We need to be reminded that we are already made new. We have been saved to do good. We don't need to do good to be saved. And if there's anything to take away from this morning um, and to maybe take into the new year, it's that you've already been made new. The work has already been done. Will you guys pray with me? Jesus, thank you for um, the work that you did, for living uh, the perfect life um, and yet dying a death that I deserved. Um, thank you for making all of us new, for giving us all the chance at a regenerated life, a completely new life. The old has passed away because of you, and the new has come. Would you strengthen us and encourage us and lead us into that new life? Would you 
Help us live into the regeneration that you've, that you've given to us freely. Would you help us not be discouraged by moments of failure when we get scrapes and bruises, but would we slowly but surely become more like you? Would we run to you when we mess up instead of hiding, acting like we didn't actually mess up, like nothing's wrong? Would we come to you humbly, honestly, and ask you to teach us how? And would you help us see the ways that you're healing us, that you're calling us to be new? Because every time we come to you, you answer. In your name I pray, amen.